0: Listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com/match. Just go to indeed.com/match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, it's Watt Harris here. With another Panther Rants podcast. Got two days till game day. I know you're pumped. Personally, personally, I wish the game was being played now. I just want, want I just want to watch this damn game, right? The game's eight o'clock on Saturday, seven Central Time. For my own selfish reasons, I wish this game was a noon game because my kids wake up around eight. By the time everything's all said and done. College football begins at eleven, and I'm all set. But we all have time preferences, and some of y'all don't have kids, or even if you have kids, maybe you just prefer the, the night game. Say, hey, you know, I got all this crap I got to do anyway during the day. I, hey, night night game's fine, and I can I can dig that. Now, as far as the game goes, you know, Pitt has this game they got Georgia Tech next week. And that's, that's what's crazy with this non-conference schedule is it's, like, spread out. After this game, they do got, like, their next non-conference opponent is for another few weeks, I believe. Maybe one or two weeks. So it's kind of hard to tell how What we can say about Pitt. I know this game itself will tell us how Pitt's going to be because you know that's how it always is with Pitt one our non conference schedules where they have these, they have a marquee game, and if they don't win it, then it tells us how it's going to be. But in Pitt's case, they got a whole bunch of uh, teams that play non conference so. one game isn't a litmus test it's a whole bunch of them but for this for this one itself it's early litmus test because we have to figure out what we have at the moment and this is a big game for Pitt for obvious reasons it's bragging rights it, if anything else it really is it's bragging rights because it doesn't matter if we beat them they're they're the bigger they're they're the bigger program and they're always gonna get the players. That happens. That's just part of life. But um Yeah, I mean we'll learn more about how the team's gonna be and about I'm not so sure about the about the ACC yet. I mean, we got we got Georgia Tech after this, and but it's, it just depends on the beating itself. If we beat Penn State, how bad? If we come out and we kick the crap out of Penn State, we may start to say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we may be a, you know a serious contender for the Coastal." And that's really what should, that's really what we should start at right now is the Coastal. Because let's not try to get ahead of ourselves with the with the ACC tie or college football playoff in gen- general. Because we got to take baby steps and figure just figure out what the you know what is it. But uh, we'll learn more about about this team because Albany doesn't really will tell will tell us a whole lot. This game will. As far as Penn State, you know we got to solve a bunch. We got to see a whole bunch of them from uh, Appalachian State. And obviously, there's a lot of keys here. For one thing, for, for one thing Pitt's, Pitt's uh, going to have a, its work cut out for him, especially on defense. Because you got McSorley, you got Tompkins, you got Johnson, Juan Johnson, Miles Sanders, that Slade, that, that Slade kid. Penn State's offense looks like it hasn't missed a beep but one thing I've noticed about them is their play calling is still a little iffy for me because they couldn't put a, they couldn't put away Appalachian State at the end and what I've noticed about their uh a lot of their drives that stalled is they start with a run and then they throw two passes I mean they just they love using McSorley that's the thing is what killed them a lot, a lot of in some of their losses last last year, and especially that Rose Bowl is. They had Saquon Barkley in their bat in their back pocket, but they were still trying to throw the ball up to sorely and he has a really good quarterback, obviously. But uh, sometimes quarterbacks have their dry spells during games, and they you know they miss a bunch of passes. And sometimes you got to go to your running game. And a lot of those games they weren't doing that. You know, play Cog it seemed play cog was their worst enemy. But yeah, they had a hard time with um, they don't you know they had a hard time playing you know knocking out of Appalachian State. And <clears throat> defensively, they gave up a bunch of yards, over 400 yards total. Quarterback himself, I'm sure Pitt watched this game. The quarterback for Appalachia State is, you know, he had a big game. He's similar to, he's very similar to, uh, to a Pitt's own Kenny Pickett. He's a uh, dual, you know, Pickett's a dual threat. You can run with Pickett and you can throw with him. So, if this guy from Appalachia State gave Penn State's defense some fits, Obviously, Kenny Pickett's gonna do the same. Pitt's gonna need some uh, work out of their ground game, but I'm sure he'll get that. We'll know more about the offensive line as well because they're gonna go against a better opponent. We're gonna see if Dave Borbely, you know, you know, was an upgrade from our last from our last offensive line coach Peterson. I believe was his name. So we have to see if he, you know if that's an upgrade. Defensively as well, we need to see if um, what we have, you know, for you know, if, if we've upgraded from Josh Conklin. And if we're doing, you know, if if we're making, if we made any improvements with with the coaching staff ads. So, we'll know a lot about what we've done, what we have, and and whatnot. But obviously, Pitt needs to keep McSorley in check. They got to keep him in the pocket, they got to pressure him enough. And for one thing, defense got cover because they got good receivers. And, I mean, it looks like their ground game hasn't really missed a beat either. So, I mean, obviously they don't have, have Saquon Barkley anymore, but they have two decent backs. I mean, Miles Sanders, obviously, there's a reason why our staff was, you know, camping out his house, supposedly, trying to get him to uh, switch his commitment to Pitt. Obviously they really like they really like them and, and who knows. And let's not forget it's Appalachia State as well. They're obviously not you know big money. So we could say that the you know the big data that Sanders had maybe fool's goal, but we'll know more of that when this game comes on. And if you're, and, and you know, obviously Pitt's going to do some things. They're obviously going to utilize their athletes as well. Maurice French, obviously one of them. Because if you watch last year's game against Penn State, Penn State didn't fly out until they dominated Pitt. Pitt dominated for time possession for a lot of the game. And they were moving a ball against Penn State. The problem is, is Pitt didn't have a good quarterback. Not to mention, they spotted him, you know, uh, points early. You know, Max Brown spotted him an early interception, so a lot of stuff that happened to Pitt was self-inflicted. And it's just, you know, receivers weren't catching, quarterbacks weren't throwing. It was a combination of a lot of things, but Pitt somehow moved the ball against them. And then finally, Penn State woke up and realized that they had to actually get the ball to their playmaker, McSorley, you know, not McSorley, uh, Barkley. And they were, they were able to put us away. But the only missing for Pitt was quarterback play. That was it in that game. So, you know, we lost 3 14 but the score wasn't really as bad as it seemed. Pitt actually competed. It just... They couldn't score points. So, anyways, guys, as far as my prediction goes, I, I like Pitt. I think I think I like Pitt in a close one. If I'm going Penn State, it's going to be because Pitt uh, starts off disastrously and everything just goes wrong, like you know, like a lot of pit games do. But I like putting this one. I think you know it's a, it's going to be at home. It's night, and I think uh, doozy wants these guys to really show up. And I think they, they want to do the same as well. So look at the rest of the rest of the uh, games for this week. Other than that, there's really not much else out there. You have. Um, USC and Stanford, I like Stanford at home, USC's obviously replacing some players, especially Sam Darnold, I think Stanford takes that one, Michigan State and Arizona State plays that night as well, and this is an intriguing game, because Arizona Arizona State, you know, is coached by Herm Edwards, and he did some crazy things in the offseason, but they came out rolling last week, and of course he's using Todd Graham's players. Let's not forget that. But um, he's got Michigan State and um, you know, Michigan State had a little, I believe i believe last week had a scare, I think. I'll have, have to double check that. Well, you know what? I'm driving, I'm podcasting, so forget it. If I'm wrong, screw it. But, um, obviously, your sexy pick is Michigan State, but I don't know. Something tells me Arizona State may pull this one off, and if they do, the Hurt and Edwards train's got to take a big chug. You should know how people are about this stuff. They love it. And they can't get enough of it. Yeah, that's right. Michigan State had Utah State last week. Uh, I believe that's the home of uh, Scott Barnes. But uh, Utah State's will always give you a scare. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too, too, uh, you know, over optimistic about Herm Edwards. I don't know. And Arizona Arizona State may give him a fight. But uh, yeah, if he pulls this one off, people gonna be all over Herm Edwards, definitely. But as far as the rest of the schedule goes, <coughs> there's not really much else there as far as the games go. You know, but that, that's basically your three marquee games this, this weekend. You know, unless there's more. Around the ACC, there's a bunch. You got Duke and Northwestern. Duke uh, beat the crap out of Army. I was surprised. I thought Army would give him a game, but I was wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about Duke, but again, I don't get paid to do this stuff, so I'm just here doing it for fun. They got Northwestern. That should be actually a good game because those two love those two love to give people problems. Uh, Georgia Tech and South Florida. South Florida had a decent season last year, as we all remember. They took Central Florida to the helm last year, and obviously they're coached by Charlie Strong. So we get to know we get to know a little bit more about Georgia Tech in this uh, this game as well. Last year they were five and seven. They competed. You know, Tech is always going to get people, Georgia Tech's going to always get people problems because that's how they are. With that little option game they do. They love to run, they'll, they'll run the hell out of you. So. Tick, 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 tick. You hear me ticking? Alright. So, going through the rest of these games here for the ACC towson Lake Forest, Wake should take that one. NC State and Georgia State, NC State obviously. Uh, Boston College, Holy Cross, no-brainer, Boston College. North Carolina, East Carolina, no, North Carolina lost to Cal last week, but I think they, they'll take this game. Obviously this is a must win for North Carolina and for Dora because if he loses this one, people are going to be really pissed off in Chapel Hill. Uh, Wagner and Syracuse, Syracuse easy win. Miami-Savannah State. Miami, obviously. Uh, Louisville and Indiana State. Obviously, uh, Indiana. I mean, shit, I'm sorry, Louisville. Louisville, Louisville, obviously. Sanford, FSU. FSU. Now, two more intriguing games here. From the ACC. You got Indiana and Virginia. Indiana's no slouch. I mean they're not the Indiana we used to know where, where they were an easy win because they were known more for their basketball than anything else Virginia obviously is the up and coming and although people overrated the hell of them last year game's Indiana but Indiana's not really a hostile place to play it's Indiana so I'll go Virginia in that one Clemson, and Texas A&M. Now, the thing about Texas A&M, I mean, I've lived here in Houston probably nine years now. Ever since the Johnny football thing, a and kind of like the Virginia Tech of uh, the Southwest. The reason I say it is because they cut they come out, they, they usually come out swinging. But then when the schedule gets tougher, they get they get their asses beat, and of course, they've been overrated. So this is an intriguing game. But so far, but Jim, you know, Jim the coach, and I think he still has his work cut out for him yet. I think they'll compete against Clemson, but Clemson wins. Jimbo obviously has to fix a lot of things from the from the Sumlin era. I mean, someone was a horribly bad coach. It's just that uh, he ran out of time there at AM. And I guess when he started losing some, you know, he was still doing, you know, the same stuff was happening where, you know, for him, they were just losing these what the hell games and their defense just wasn't there. You know they would just. I mean, the, the team would just start out kicking, and they would towards the end they would just fall apart. So I think he saw his work cut out for him. So I like Clemson. So that finishes up. You know, you know the pit penn State, and the rest of your weekend. So as we finish up here, all they said some other stuff going on. You know, Levy and Bell they report to camp not the camp I'm sorry practice still and supposedly he's not going to play in the first game and you know the players obviously are not happy and they're speaking up about it and, you know just hearing this stuff from the players themselves to me the whole thing the whole situation seems toxic in that locker room and, you know we tend to rip. you know it's just, uh, for players to talk, talk like that about a teammate, for me, it's just, it's baffling. Because I remember when Jerome Bettis, after his first season in Pittsburgh, when he had a big year, he took his offensive line to roost Chris Steakhouse, I believe, and spent 20, and the bill is twenty over 20 grand, I believe is, what, is that how much it was. I mean, those guys ate a lot of food. Yeah, he took him out to dinner, but then, but then you got guys who are, a, who are offensive linemen for Le'Veon Bell, and they're just trashing him during this contract situation. It's just odd. I mean, to me, it just seems like the whole locker room thing is toxic. And maybe there there are some players that are toxic, and I don't know. It's weird. To me, the whole Levy and Bell thing is between Levy and Bell and, and Steelers ownership. Really, that, that's all this is, is. Between it's between him as an employer, and obviously he wants to get paid, and Stewards have paid him, but he wants more, and he feels he's entitled to it. And that's just how it is. And Stewards, it's just they're disagreeing on this stuff. They don't they don't agree, and they're not they're not going to come to a um, to a ta- to a, you know. The table to you know patch it up. So this is what you have, and they're gonna have to move on without him. And I think really the you know that's really you know if I'm a, if I'm a player, I tell him treat this is between him and management, and not even talk about it because now I'm sure he's reading his headlines up you know by his teammates, and it just creates a bad situation for all for all involved. But anyways, guys, I've hit the 22 minute mark and I really don't have much else to talk about. That's, you know, really all I can say about the whole Levium Bell thing. I mean, there's not much else. I could talk, you know what, you know I, I could talk about some other things. Obviously, the pen. oh yeah, the whole media this week with the Penn State stuff, obviously... Narduzzi didn't lock the gates on the media, which is good because I don't have to. We don't get to hear the media bitch about, you know, oh, he, he locked us out again. I can't stand him. Oh, I hate him. Well, he opened the gates. And of course, there's some people that got problems with what stuff he had to say. And obviously, he talked about Albany and some Penn State person, Corey Geiger, said, Oh, he disrespected Albany because he said it's hard to get up for them. Well, yeah, it's a freaking one A one A school. It's hard for any team to get revved up to play one A school. You know, it's not that exciting. And then um, on top of that, I guess he talked about some of these p- p- some of the, some of the Penn State players. And of course, he made some comment about not seeing Lamont way out there as much. He's not really been out there. Well, yeah, he, it's his second season. He hasn't really seen him play, but he's seen. I mean, they gave props to all the other guys that he's he recruited. But of course, you know the me has a narrative, and then they they say he's throwing shade at a at a, at a sophomore. I kind of love that. I love narratives and storylines. It's just dumb. I mean, it's. It's uh, basically been a pissing match on who coaches more class here, and yeah, Narduzzi's done his share of stuff on Twitter and all kind of uh, his kind of side sad comments. He's done it. So is Franklin. You can say Franklin's a little bit more, I guess, I'm more diplomatic about it, where he, you know, he looks like a nice guy after he makes his comments, whereas Pat is obviously the uh, the guy, the, uh, the the rugged guy from Youngstown. So if he makes it it's it's being a tough guy. But yeah, anyways, guys. I'll let you have your day back. Hell to pit. Bye. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.